Folks, let me give you some friendly advice. Do not be the creative who spends thousands and thousands of your hard-earned dollars on equipment each year without spending one penny on your marketing. If there's ever been a time to rise above the noise and do something just a little bit different to impress your leads and wow your clients, I would say now's that time. And my favorite way to do that is by leveraging print promotion using the photography that I am the most proud of. So our amazing friends at Bay Photo Lab have almost every product that you can think of, from magazines to photo books to promo cards that you can leave behind. And listen, if you just want something to dazzle your office or living space at home with, well, they have options for that too. You can get prints and wall displays from basically every style, from canvas to metal to acrylic. And the best part is you can get 25% off your first time order just by going to bayphoto.com, signing up today. They ship everywhere in the world, folks, and all their products look incredible. So do yourself a favor, start leaving an impact, whether it's for your personal memories at home or for your professional marketing at work. Bay Photo Lab, designed by photographers for photographers. You are listening to Entrepreneurs, a podcast that inspires photographers and visual artists who live their best creative lives. My name is Michael Durr. I am your host and a full-time photographer here to give you some tools so you can build your life in creative self-employment. Beyond that, I get to sit down with an amazing community of creative professionals to talk about process, business, and the lessons that have helped them grow. So let's get to it. Entrepreneur Season 2, kicking off next. What is up, entrepreneurs? Welcome to our 58th episode here in Season 2. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Thank you for making us a small part of it. Now, today's episode is called To Stage or Not to Stage. And think of this as a brief intro into photojournalism ethics. It's not going to cover everything, of course, but it's just a glimpse into it. Now, I don't go into Twitter a whole lot anymore, but this video kept getting circulated on my feed. It kept getting retweeted, commented on, and after a few days of ignoring it, I finally sat down and looked into what all the fuss was about. I watched this video. And admittedly, at least in the eyes of the news and photography industry, it was a rather damning showcase of a photographer violating one of the cardinal rules of photojournalism, which is all about staging. And so to give you context, what happened was this photographer was covering an anti-mask protest in Portland, Oregon, I guess. And I don't know if she was assigned to the story. I don't know if she was just finding stories herself to contribute to other publications. It looks as if uh, she was working with Getty Images at one point. Either way, here's the situation. The video shows the photographer clearly staging a shot of a child throwing a mask into a burning barrel. All right. So when I say staged, I mean, the photographer is influencing the actions of the people around that scene. Okay, that's what I mean. She's staging the image the way a food photographer might dress a plate of food for her hero shot. Okay. And you can clearly hear and you can see this coordination between the photographer and the child and even the photographer and the mother of the child. Okay, so they are premeditatively setting up an action that may have never occurred had she not been there. And of course, because somebody is recording video nearby, because the internet exists, because social media gives everyone the power to voice their approval or displeasure on anything, then this became a very vocal teaching lesson to the photography community at large about what not to do as a photojournalist. Now, these types of situations do come up. And I don't know about if they come up very often, but certainly often enough where photojournalists are being exposed for unethical actions to either advance their careers or at the very least increase their exposure. And I certainly wouldn't classify this as the most egregious case. I certainly wouldn't say it's the most well-known case. Uh, but for the time being, depending on what happens in the next few days before I launch this episode, it's certainly the most recent case. So my objective for today is to unpack this notion of staging okay, and highlight this one specific area of photojournalism ethics. Because the reality is some of you may honestly have never heard of this before. It may have never crossed your mind. 
And the reason why I say that is because it never crossed my mind when I first got into the industry. I never really thought about that stuff because I, I wasn't taught it. I didn't go to photojournalism school. And in that sense, I think I'm going to approach this situation from a sense of maybe empathy as well. I'm not saying I agree with her actions. I'm not saying I'm justifying them. I don't think I could really, in good conscience, knowing what I know now, forgive those actions as someone who is supposedly a trained and seasoned photojournalist. But I do get the mentality, okay? I get why the mentality exists in green photographers who don't have any experience. And so I guess I'll speak to those of you who maybe don't see why this is such a big deal, because I really do want this to be a teaching lesson and not a shaming lesson, right? Which is generally how these things go. You know, when a photographer does something wrong and the industry gets a hold of it, the focus is usually on the perpetrator. And I would say less on the observers who are trying to understand what is so wrong about this act. And uh, the first thing I'm going to say is that I don't qualify myself in any regard as an expert on photojournalism. I don't even really qualify myself as a photojournalist in the first place. I've never even taken one photojournalism class in my life. But I will say I have picked up on a lot of things over the years, simply through osmosis of being around really good quality photojournalists and having conversations with them, picking their brains, and, and even seeing a situation like this actually unfold in real time, where someone staged a scene and seeing firsthand how upset those photojournalists got. So if you're kind of like me and you've really just lived this insular life as a visual creator who has never really been beholden to a set of moral principles or to the employment rules of a news publication editor, I hope you get something out of this. Now, I am going to highlight the NPPA's code of ethics in this episode and how it pertains to cases such as this. And they put together what is effectively a Ten Commandments type of list of journalism ethics to follow. And I will link this in the show notes for you to look on your own. And I'm not going to read every single word of it in this episode, but I do think there's a lot of great substance here that I'm going to dictate to you. And I want to start with a few key points that they put right in their preamble right off the bat. Visual journalists operate as trustees of the public. Our primary role is to report visually on the significant events and varied viewpoints in our common world. Our primary goal is the faithful and comprehensive depiction of the subject at hand. As visual journalists, we have the responsibility to document society and to preserve its history through images. All right, so as I read that paragraph, a couple key phrases kind of jump out to me. You know, you have the visual journalists are trustees of the public, the faithful depiction of the subject at hand, a responsibility to preserve society's history through images. So those, to me, highlight this common sentiment of truth. You know, when you are in photojournalism, you are telling the world that what you have put forth in your work is the truth. You know, you're not there to create your own storyline. You're not there to create what your mind's eye thinks would be the best story. You are there to document the story as it is, as it unfolds organically, without interference, raw, whatever it might be. What they are saying is that it's not just our job description. It's our moral responsibility. It is entrusted to us that we deliver on that promise. And like I said, I have no background in journalism, but I would imagine I may not get any pushback from a qualified journalist on that sentiment. And it goes on to say the following. Photographic and video images can reveal great truths, expose wrongdoing and neglect, inspire hope and understanding, and connect people around the globe through the language of visual understanding. Photographs can also cause great harm if they are callously intrusive or are manipulated. This code is intended to promote the highest quality in all forms of visual journalism and to strengthen public confidence in the profession. It is also meant to serve as an educational tool, both for those who practice and for those who appreciate photojournalism. Now, as I mentioned before, there are a handful of quote-unquote commandments that they list that I really want to highlight. You know, I'm not going to read off every single one of them, but I will link this in the show notes for you as well. So, one is to be accurate and comprehensive in the representation of subjects. Two, resist being manipulated by staged photo opportunities. Three, 
while photographing subjects do not intentionally contribute to, alter, or seek to alter or influence events. Four, strive to be unobtrusive and humble in dealing with subjects. And five, respect the integrity of the photographic moment. So it's not just listed once, but somewhat reiterated nearly a half a dozen times, you know, this practice of journalistic integrity, the pursuit of truth and honesty, not the pursuit of popularity or shock or headlines. And I would say it's not an overall surprise that these things do happen in a day where newspapers are dying, maybe where sensationalism sells, but it is exactly in such times where upholding your ethical boundaries is the most vital. And I'm going to pull a few quotes here, a few responses from the public on this. And these are all quotes directly from the Petapixel blog post. Photographer Hannah Yoon writes, you can be a talented photographer and be a terrible photojournalist. This makes me so mad the general public barely trusts us. Emmy award-winning broadcast photojournalist for WFMZ in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Chris Post says, I'd expect this behavior from a corporate PR person, but never from someone self-identifying as a photojournalist for a wire service. Incredibly disappointing. Stuff like this is what gives fuel to the fake news movement. We must police our own colleagues. And photographer Sarah Naomi Lukowitz adds, with as much as we get accused of being fake news and as hard as many of us work to earn public trust, this sort of behavior is a total slap in the face. Okay, so I have basically no issues with what any of these professionals are saying. It just seems like a violation of a foundational creed that journalists abide by. And so I really don't care that freelancing is a dog-eat-dog world. I don't care that you're under a lot of pressure to deliver groundbreaking imagery. I don't care if your employer even says, you know what, get the best shot by any means necessary. You know, if you compromise the truth, you've compromised yourself as a journalist. Now, not every photographer is going to be a photojournalist, understandably. If you're a fine art photographer, if you do portraits, if you do product, if you do advertising or lifestyle campaigns, then oftentimes these rules don't apply. It's almost implied that there's staging involved. You know, it's kind of like going to see a magic show. If, if a magician's secret is somehow like revealed to the world of how he sawed a woman in half and she lived, you know, the world doesn't make a stink of it because the lie is implied. The only magicians who come under fire are the ones who, you know, really truly claim to be blessed by a higher power. You know, the charlatan psychics who stand by their supernatural abilities because they are claiming the truth when in fact what they are doing is all manipulation. So my advice to you is to simply know your setting. Know the assignment, know the publication, know your responsibilities, and hold yourself to that standard. So if your job is to be an artist, be an artist and be unapologetic about it. You know, you can manipulate those images, you can stage anything. But if your job is to document truth, then document that truth without compromise. And in today's age, I do think it's sort of easy to sort of assign our roles in vague and fluid labels. You know, I think the most recently well-known case is that of uh, journalist Steve McCurry, who, once he was caught for manipulating images in Photoshop, started referring to himself as a visual storyteller, which is, you know, to me, it's sort of an excuse that I think a lot of transgressors are going to follow, even though I don't think it holds up as well as many might think. You know, you can call yourself whatever you want, but it's really how the image is going to be used that is going to determine whether your photojournalistic integrity was upheld or falsified. Now, if you really want to see what a lack of journalistic integrity is, I recommend watching the movie Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's an uncomfortable movie to watch if you consider yourself to have strong morals, but just know it's brilliantly performed, it's brilliantly written, directed, uh, and it does expose our society's obsession with getting the shot, even if it violates every ethical standard in the book. So in the end, I'm, I'm not obviously happy that this happened. I'm not here to publicly shame this person, but I will say that I am somewhat grateful now that it's happened that situations like this do happen on occasion to give us just a little bit of a reminder, you know, a true teaching lesson of, of how not to conduct ourselves in the field.
And I really believe that if you're a great photographer 99% of the time, and it seems like this photographer has some good work in her book, you know, I'm not going to dismiss her of that. But if you break a code just like this 1% of the time, nobody's going to remember that 99% of great work. They're just going to remember this 1% mistake. So you may lose the trust of your employer, your colleagues, and the public all in one fell swoop. And you can certainly ruin things for the rest of the industry professionals who do it the right way. So it's good food for thought. Pay attention to what your responsibilities are and hold yourself to those standards. So my hope is this photographer has learned from this mistake and that her actions will shine more light on journalistic ethics for everybody. You know, get more schools, get more workshops to educate these principles, get more working photographers to think before they start staging, and then get more publications, of course, to put their money where their mouths are and abide by these standards. So what do you guys think? What's your take? Have you ever been in a situation where you saw someone stage something when they shouldn't have? Have you ever thought about staging something yourself and thought otherwise? Hit us up on Facebook, IG. I'd love to hear your story. And uh, that's going to be my time for today. So I wanted to thank you all for tuning into the show, supporting the content. As always, Entrepreneurs rolls on with more episodes in season two. Thank you again, everybody. See you guys next week. What's up, entrepreneurs? Thank you for tuning in and making it all the way to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed the content you just listened to, hit subscribe and tune in again next week. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Entrepreneurs Pod for updates, promos, and giveaway contests that we run throughout the year. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our really cool website, EntrepreneursPod.com. It's a great resource for you to download informational PDFs and booklets, access discount codes from our amazing affiliates, and read what our audience is up to on our community blog. For now, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, supporting the show, and being a part of this journey. This is Michael Durr signing off for now, Entrepreneurs Season 2. Let's go. This episode of Entrepreneurs was brought to you by Bay Photo Lab. First-time orders receive 25% off on any professional photo printing product or service. Yes, I said 25%. Just go to bayphoto.com to browse the amazing selection of gifts, prints, and displays. That's bayphoto.com once again. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.